handshake. HBO needs to fire you. You know about boxing. You ain't broke my back. What do you mean by that? You broke back is broken. What a, a, a vertebrae or, or what portion? Spinal. in London. What did you do? I don't know. What are you talking about? I didn't go. I was at home. Are you trying to bait me up or what? You're starting to say all these big words. I'm starting to take it as disrespect. So I didn't get an opportunity to watch Adney Yard versus Lyndon Arthur live, which in many ways was unfortunate. But I've been able to review it now. And I guess, you know, it gives me a, a calm and a clearer head to to understand where the debate is, to understand you know what might have gone right, what might have gone wrong. But I think in situations like this, you should always praise the winner. We did it last week by praising Joe Joyce. Praise Lyndon Arthur. Now, why do I say that? Because if you go back just over four years ago, Lyndon Arthur was perhaps the best light heavyweight prospect that was available to sign. And that's why he was able to make his debut on the Crawler Linares one card. That's where he made his debut. Now, people should say, what was it about Lyndon Arthur that Eddie Hearn didn't like? Why did he let Lyndon Arthur go back and do the, the small hall scene? doing all the Black Flash shows, him and Zelfa and so forth. We don't ask these questions, but that's a real question to ask. Because once you understand that Hearn was really keen to sign Lyndon Arthur at the time, because that was when Hearn was more obsessed with controlling cities. You know, it was like a game of empires between him and Frank. So he needed Manchester-based fighters and prospects. And Lyndon was as golden a prospect as they came because he came from the Collar Hurston, Mostyn Gym and, you know, we know who's come out of there, guys like Crawler, I think Michael Jennings for sure. I know Matty Askin trained out there as well. So it's a damn good gym. I think originally it was Brian Hughes who was the brains behind it. I know he sort of stepped back and guys like Tommy McDonough and Pat Barrett have taken it to another level. And Lyndon Arthur is a product of that. And it's worth remembering that Lyndon Arthur is the nephew of Pat Barrett. So Lyndon Arthur is deeply steeped in boxing. It's almost a surprise that we look at him and go, the win was a surprise. So you've got to put some respect on Lyndon Arthur's name. And I know generally because boxing in the UK is quite London-centric, we don't pay enough attention to what happens in the other big cities like Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds. So we're always surprised when these kids show up and they, they perform in ways that we hadn't expected. But you don't realise these guys fight at a high level. And they work together constantly. And that's how they're able to elevate themselves. You know, boxing's not just London. Outside of London, people understand that they've got to work together because they don't have the scale that London does. And into this world steps Lyndon Arthur. I honestly believe if you take away Joshua Boatsy's Olympic bronze medal performance from 2016, 
the rivalry we are talking about moves away from being Yard Boatsy to being Lyndon Arthur versus Joshua Boatsy. Because, and here's something, I guess, if you're, if you're new to the sport or you don't watch much of the amateurs, then this will kind of be new to you. But Joshua Boatsy had such a, such a glow. He took so much of the, of the, the boxing universe's energy at 81 kilos in the amateurs in this country. He shone so bright. He was, he was, he was pretty dominant. He was so dominant that no one really looked past him. It was like, right, this kid has to be in GB. This kid has to go to the Olympics, right? He, he came up with Lerone Richards, like in the, they were boxing at 44 kilos as like schoolboys back in the day. And Josh has always been that guy. And then, when you work with Mark Gillespie, you've got Dwayne Sinclair in your gym and that brings you on a bit. And so Joshua Bartzi had this really bright glow that overshadowed everyone else. Now, just for a sense of perspective, let me list all the people, of, I mean, all the ones I remember who were around 81 kilos at the time and were good, respected. If you said their names, that's a good fighter. And the list, it's an interesting list. So in that Boatsy era, you had Dean Lang. I think Dean Lang boxed out of Burtley. You had George Crossy, who still harbours hope of making the Olympics in 2021. So that lets you know his standard. I think he was out of Burtley as well. I know he does some work with Hodston now. And then you've got, obviously, you've got Dan Aziz. You've got Andre Sterling. You've got Umar Sadiq. There's a guy called Ashley Vanzi that no one will know. But Ashley Vanzi was meant to be the guy that did the 2016 Olympics. That was the expectation until Josh overtook him. Like I said, shone super bright. So you've got Dean Lang, we've done George Crotty. Da, 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 da. Craig Richards, Umar Sadiq, if I haven't mentioned him. And so we'll start to build this as Matthew Tinker, Danny Dignam. You're building up a list of guys. These are all guys you look at and go, Thomas Whitaker Hart's in there as well. These are all guys who are, solid pros and we're not even talking about guys like Jermaine Springer who could have made that weight but these are all guys you look at and go seen him on TV seen him on an MTK show this isn't a bad standard that Josh Boatsy sat on top of and if you took Josh away Lyndon Arthur's in the discussion to be the top guy I'm not going to say who I think is but he's in that discussion to be the top guy. So he's definitely one of the top guys not called Joshua Barsley of that generation. When you look at it like that, Lyndon Arthur beating Anthony Yard is not a surprise anymore, is it? And you notice how I didn't say Anthony Yard because Anthony Yard never boxed as an elite amateur. He was never in that mix. He never did the ABAs. Would he have been one of those names? Perhaps. We don't know. But it's worth saying that so you understand. Lyndon Arthur, by the time he was done with the amateurs, was one of the best 81 kilo guys in this country, not called Joshua Boatsy. That's why Matchroom signed him. So the question becomes, what did they not see in him? Which said, right, now you're going to have to go back and do the small hall thing for a bit. Until Frank did the collaboration with Black Flash and started to bring guys through. Because... Linda's never had the same shine that Zulfa had. But he's just as talented, if not more. He's definitely more accomplished. 
Lyndon Arthur was part of the GB setup. Lyndon Arthur's boxed for GB in tournaments. He's boxed in the World Series of Boxing. And in many ways, he's got parallels with Chris Conger and Echo Esselman. Um, you could put Troy Williamson in there as well. Guys who are really, really good boxers, but because they've never had a machine behind them, we don't know them. Because we don't know them, we don't give them the credit they deserve. Lyndon Arthur's a talented guy. Lyndon Arthur's a guy who grew up in boxing. And he grew up with an uncle who believed in three things that have set Lyndon Arthur on the path to success. Great movement, defense over everything, and perfecting the jab. It's uh, They're staples of the Collihurst and Mostyn gym. Look, who trains out there as well? Bugsy Malone, right? So if you look at someone like Bugsy, even when you watch his... Insta videos, by all means, go on Instagram and watch. Even he's technically sound because that those are the expectations because it's an old school gym with old school values and they've been successful with it. So now you get this picture of Lyndon Arthur and you go, oh, Lyndon Arthur can really, really box. He's not a guy who crawled up from the unlicensed, you know, anything like that. No, he's a thoroughbred. A guy who came through the system. He never really expected to do it. I think it was all a surprise to him. But he always knew he wanted to be a pro. And he's always trained with that in mind. So we shouldn't be so surprised that Lyndon Arthur was able to, to perform at that level. For him, he expected that because of his background in the sport. He's been to places in his formative years that Anthony Yard never got to. So when you look at it from that perspective, there were a lot of things in Lyndon's favor, in favor, sorry. But he didn't have that Kovalev fight. And if we're being brutally honest and objective, that is the only difference between them. They've both been victims of Frank Warren's inability to invest in decent opponents. Lyndon Arthur could have been British champ by now. Lyndon Arthur could have been, you know, at the front of the boxing discussion. He could have been. He's got the talent. And he's got that, that experience, that cachet. He's just never had a machine behind him the same way Joshua Watsi does. So I've only ever seen Lyndon Arthur box in the flesh once, and that was in the amateurs years ago. What will always stand out is he has the freakiest jab I've seen with a British boxer because it's almost like he's got Inspector Gadget arms. His jab goes on forever. It almost... It's almost like his jab won't come back until it actually hits you. Now, I don't know how long his arms actually are. I don't know what his real reach is, but he looks like he's got freakishly long limbs. And that might be an advantage. What he also does that really impresses me, and it should have impressed anyone who saw the fight on Saturday. He can jab effectively going backwards. So there's a big difference between boxing on the back foot and boxing going backwards. One's relatively static and one's more dynamic and harder to do. It's a rare skill set for someone to be able to box off the back foot. And he can do that. And he does it really well. You know, he doesn't make it easy for you to get close to him. And with that style, and it's not pretty and it's not spectacular. And there's no pyrotechnics with it, but it's so, so effective. Because what he does is he creates this massive problem with his jab that you will spend a lot of energy trying to solve if you haven't prepared for that in your camp. And he knows that. And because he can box going backwards, and if you watch the fight, he was able to do this with Anthony Yard. 
he could make yard plant his feet, and as yard plants his feet, he just take a step back, just change the range again. And he could do that because while he's able to punch on the move, Anthony Yard plants his feet before he does anything. And so Lyndon Arthur had a relatively easy time of it compared to what we thought would happen, simply because he was able to move away just as Yard was getting set to do something. Like the number of times you saw those sweeping left hooks miss, and not just miss by a few millimeters, miss significantly, because Lyndon Arthur knew how to stay on the move. Literally, the expression goes, stick and move. And he might be one of the best in this country at doing that. And that's credit to Pat Barrett and the way he's trained his guys. And you can't say it's a fluke. Because a lot of guys that come through the Pat Barrett system have good defences and they have good jabs. Yet so stylistically different. Zelfa's a completely different fighter to Lyndon. But they're equally effective at doing what they do. So let's give Lyndon Arthur his due here for being good being effective and having the boxing brain to understand he needs to create the problems that his opponent has to solve. And once he maintains control of that psychology, it's less about tactics now because he's done his tactical work already. He said, look, Anthony Yard, if you really want to knock me out, you're going to have to find me. And every time you seek and destroy there's going to be landmines all the way here for you to get through. And that's all he had to do. And as long as he could build up enough of a lead or keep himself in the fight for long enough, he knew that would be effective against Anthony Yard because Anthony Yard fights one way. And they exploited that really well. Now, I'm not saying that Lyndon put on a masterclass and won by 120-108. It was a split decision based on what I saw of the fight, quite rightly. It was a close fight. You've got to congratulate Lyndon Arthur for executing when the pressure was on, for executing when all those feelings of, I've been on these big time shows before and I've been disappointed. Now this might be my last chance to cross over. And he executed. You really have to respect that because that's a hard place for someone to come from. But if we're all being honest as boxing fans, Based on what Anthony Yard did against Kovalev, nobody expected that fight to be that close. And as fans were disappointed that it was that close, only because we were talking about Yard being world class. And he seemingly fought better for a world title than he did for a Commonwealth title. But, but maybe it's something deeper. Everyone's quick to, to hammer Tunde and so forth. And by all means, like, let's, let's, let's have that conversation. But maybe it's something deeper than that. Are we really going to forget that Anthony Yard lost relatives? I think he lost his father and maybe his grandmother to COVID this year. And he's fought twice since. I know people talk about, well, Lee Selby did this and so-and-so did that. No, no, no. Just stop for a second and let's be human beings and let's be compassionate. And let's reflect. He's going through, like we all are, a pandemic that we haven't seen before, restrictions on freedom we haven't seen before, discussions and, and energy in our society that 
isn't ideal, and we can all agree on that. Whether you're pro-vax, anti-vax is actually irrelevant. Whether you're pro-lockdown, anti-lockdown is irrelevant. The tone of the conversation we're having between ourselves as human beings isn't great. We thought it was just boxing Twitter that was toxic. It turns out everywhere is toxic. So into that, into all the uncertainty, when will boxing come back? Will it come back? Will there be any money? What will happen? You know, you lose two pillars of your family. You weren't expecting that. And even before you've had time to grieve, and yes, I think as we get older and more mature, we realize you've got to grieve at some point. You can delay it, but you can never prevent it. So we don't know where his head's at. We don't know where his spirit's at. So before we give Ant kicking for being overhyped and overrated, let's just remember that. He had a 2020 that would have probably broken a lot of people listening right now. And within that, he was able to fight twice. Once he was dominant against Dex Spellman, we can kind of discount that because we understand the context of that fight. The second time, split decision loss to Lyndon Arthur. Was he grieving? I don't know. Has it affected his training? I don't know. I'm not ruling it in. I'm not ruling it out. But if we're going to be hypothetical about things, which we love to do on Boxing Twitter, I pray to God that's one of your considerations. Look, naturally, I think my own view is Adnyad made loads of tactical errors in that fight. But I also think that fight was set up for him, as the boxer he is, to look bad in. So... Let's start with the, the things that we can all agree on. Anthony Yard is essentially a counterpuncher. He does his best work when you open yourself up for a counter because he's fast and he's powerful. And he's got a good sense of timing in that sense. And yes, he can counter someone's jab and he can counter someone's backhand. He can counter people's hooks. Now go back and watch when Yard does his best work. He does his best work in close and mid-range. He's not a long-range sharpshooter. That's just not his thing. He had... He hasn't got long arms considering his height. He's not a, he's not a rangy guy. So that, that creates a massive problem with someone like Lyndon Arthur who is as rangy as they come. So if you look at Lyndon Arthur, you go, okay, I'm going to count his jab. But you're so far away from his jab that by the time you, you block and counter, as Matt Macken loves to say, you can't reach him. And he's already retreating. <laughs> Once he's done his work, he's already retreating. Now, if you're quite heavy-footed and you need to plant in order to do these things, you've now got to get up off your feet and move forward. It's too late by then. Now you're eating the jab again. And Lyndon Arthur knew. Lyndon Arthur knew all he had to do was get Yard to plant his feet and then Lyndon would just move off. Jab, score your points. And then Yard's mission then becomes, I need to corral Lyndon Arthur on the ropes to just let shots go. But you're not a combination puncher, really. Like I said, you're a sharp shooting counter puncher, but you're not a, a combination puncher that keeps the pressure high. You're not a high work rate fighter. So it's a relatively easy night for Lyndon Arthur. If you're just throwing ones and twos, he can see those coming. The power's a factor, but if you're unable to close that ring off, if you're unable to put Lyndon Arthur where you need him to be, it's always going to be a long night. And so tactically, I think it was wrong. But I don't think they could have taught Anthony Yard those, those arts in the time that they had between the Spellman fight and this fight. And also considering where his head must have been, you know, in 2020. Now, people say he should already know how to do that. Yes, that's a valid point. But 
we weren't talking about that before the fight. So we need to park that discussion for later. My point is, everything that Anthony Yard does well is a problem for him. When he fights somebody who's not committing, he's fighting someone who's saying, nah, I'm not putting any energy into this, right? I'm not putting any of my soul into this fight. I'm just taking yours out progressively. And once I've got enough of a lead or once I'm in this fight, then I might just hang on in there because the, the power starts to catch up. But in very, very simple terms, Yard was, he was all, Lyndon Arthur was all wrong for Anthony Yard. And, and I contrast it by saying this. I think Yard beats Joshua Barty. I, I, I have a high degree of confidence in that. But I think Joshua Barty beats Lyndon Arthur. I think Joshua Barty could potentially stop Lyndon Arthur. Not because he's more skillful or he's better. Josh is a combination puncher who loves going to the body and he's not afraid to take shots to get at you because he believes in himself. That would be a hell of a fight, being honest with you. But I do think that's, that's one of those triangles where, like I said, styles make fights. I think Josh's love of being inside and being at mid-range, perfect for Anthony Yard. Yard can get those counter shots in and the power's enough that it will have an effect on Josh. I think Lyndon's awkwardness and his control of distance is a nightmare for Yard. But then I also think Joshua Boatsy's high work rate and intensity and willingness to eat jabs to hurt you then puts him in a position where he's, he's a nightmare for Lyndon Arthur. So you've got to have a sense of perspective before you start putting the boots in. Like I said earlier, that generation of light heavyweights and super mids as they went on to become was a special talent. Like that talent pool's deep. That's deep. Remember, Craig Richards and guys like that weren't coming out of the Southeast London divisions. That's how deep it is. And then when someone like a Ben Whitaker comes through and he boxes at light heavyweight as well, it's a deep talent pool. So the fact that we're having these conversations saying actually all these fights are competitive, as boxing fans, we should be delighted. This is what we wanted. Now just make the fights. Okay? Just make the fights. Put Yard in with Dan Aziz. You know, all this sort of stuff. Put Andre Sterling in with Dex Spellman. All this stuff. Just put... Make these fights happen where we just sit and go, actually, for the next two years, we're all going to be entertained. I don't mind watching these as part of a pay-per-view so these guys get the money they deserve. Like I said at the beginning, you need to respect how good Lyndon Arthur was before any of these guys turned pro. But that's not why you guys are here. You guys are here for me to address the elephant in the room. So I'm going to dedicate a bit of time to addressing the elephant in the room. The boxing trainer, the boxing coach, however you want to call it, your teacher, whatever, is ultimately accountable for the result. Not necessarily the performance, but ultimately accountable for the result. Because it's your, your role in the whole thing is to get the guy to the start line in the best shape possible. That's your role, really. 80% of your role is that. The other 20% is navigating him through the fight. Tactically, physically, psychologically, all of that. 
That's your job. So based on results, you've got to say Tunde got it wrong. It didn't look like they had prepared specifically for Lyndon Arthur, whereas it looked like Lyndon Arthur had prepared specifically for Anthony Yard. So kudos to Team Arthur for that. It didn't look like they'd prepared. They'd almost showed up thinking the best Anthony Yard beats Lyndon Arthur, whatever Lyndon Arthur does. That's always a mistake. Because when someone spent time watching everything you do, and you don't bring anything new. That's the path to defeat. Lomachenko found that out against Teofimo Lopez. The biggest sin in all of this actually is that Tunde didn't introduce anything new to the mix. We hadn't seen any of the revisions that should have happened after the Kovalev fight. As I said earlier, you don't beat Lyndon Arthur if you're not a combination puncher. You don't beat Lyndon Arthur if you can't cut off the ring. And you definitely don't beat Lyndon Arthur if your work rate's not where it needs to be. He's too good, too experienced. He's boxed at too high a level for, for the basics to trouble him. So I think Tunde got that wrong. I think it was wrong to not make adjustments, but then I wonder, are there any adjustments you can make? Unless, you know, System 9 might just be a one-size-fits-all approach. And I'm seeing him get slaughtered for basically incompetent corner work and stuff like that. And not necessarily, like we said, this fight was relatively close. And we should all accept, you know, the fight probably shouldn't have been close. And had the changes been made post covid that needed to happen, maybe the fight wouldn't have been close. So the fact that it was close, you're like, mm, double-edged sword. Okay, it was close, so we can't say he got schooled, but maybe it shouldn't have been close. And that's what Tunde's going to take ownership for. But like I said, the noise around Yard needs to separate himself from Tunde and get rid of Tunde and get a new trainer <laughs> is absolutely insane. It is ridiculous. It, it shows that people who think they know boxing, don't understand how this thing really works. It's, it's myopic to say the least. Now, you can say you don't agree with Tunde's methods, and you can say, I don't think Tunde's methods are effective. But you can't say Anthony is better off elsewhere. That's ridiculous. So I speak as someone who's trained guys from nothing, right? Guys who've walked in the door having never boxed in their lives. And I speak as someone who's trained amateurs who have come to me from other gyms and I speak as someone who trains professional guys albeit in secret but I train professional guys that work with established trainers right I see all the flavors of what comes through the door and I also understand what level of impact you can have depending on the situation the sweet spot is you get a kid in from day zero I do not care what your philosophy is whatever the kid who comes in from zero and buys into your vision will do better with what you're capable of. They will make you a better coach in the perception of others. When someone comes to you from another gym, someone's already done that to them. Someone's already shaped their boxing ideology. And all you can do is kind of modify and tinker at the edges, right? And then when you're dealing with established pros, what are you doing? Not much. There's not much you can do. You can play around with the psychology, the diet, strength and conditioning, but they are the boxer they'll always be. 
you can add in a bit of education, wisdom, you know, you can work on the mind like that, but there's not much you can do, right? So when we talk about you change trainers, like you're not going to get a, a 60% swing in ability. You're not going to get an extra 60% of input from anyone. I don't care who you are. The fighter at the yard is, is kind of who he's going to be. And all you do is you make him more effective at being that version of himself. That's what you do. And you navigate his career so he avoids anyone that makes him look bad and he focuses on people that make him look good. This is the art of good boxing management and guidance. So this idea that if he goes to another trainer, that there's 60% of value you can extract from him is ridiculous. And in this case, it's not so much that Tunde took Anthony Yard from zero because that's not actually true either. It's that he's invested so many hours in Anthony Yard that actually Anthony Yard's view of boxing is Tunde's view of boxing to a greater or lesser extent. As a trainer, do you really want to take that on? That's a lot of work, you know? Look, it's like the analogy I use is, it's like me being 18 and saying, well, if I could just change my parents, maybe I'd be richer overall. And it's like, well... I'm kind of the person I'm probably always going to be by now. Like, if there's any damage done, it's already been done. And it's unlikely to be repaired anytime soon. So the issue actually isn't should Anthony Yard replace Tunde Ajayi, because I don't think he should. I think it's now on Tunde to say, do you really think you're the best coach you could be? Do you think that there are opportunities for you to grow? Can you learn from the last 12 to 18 months? Can you grow and develop? Because if you notice, there aren't many people knocking on that door for that System 9 magic right now. That's the truth. And I don't think Tunde's a bad trainer. I think Tunde's a reasonably good trainer. But if you're not complete, people aren't going to come to you. If you're not going to broaden out your skill set, if you're not going to show that you can evolve and your style can improve, then nah. You know, I don't see where the attraction is. So people will just look at the pad work and go, oh, look at him, he's a clown, he's this, he's that. And I've seen that on social media, and that's not true. What he's done with Anthony Yard is really good because that's a guy who, as we know, was never an elite level amateur. Never mixed it with the, the real guys, the, the Spider Richards, the Dan Azizas, the Andre So He didn't really mix in that company. I know because I studied him because I thought we were going to have to fight him at some point. I know him better than he knows himself. So I also know whatever trainer he goes to, if he were to leave, can't give him what Tunde gives him. Because for every trainer who chooses to step in, Atnia is just another project. You don't have that emotional bond that Tunde has with him. It doesn't mean as much to you as it would to Tunde. You don't have that same motivation. You probably never will because you weren't there Christmas 2012 and all of that stuff. You weren't there when these guys were training dog hours and you weren't putting your hand in your pocket to take these guys to Vegas. Because, and I want to be honest here, and I love all the guys that Tunde's trained, but if you look, who's really left Tunde and become better? Who? I'll wait for the list of names in the comments. Feel free, whenever you want. But no one has. So now you've got to say, 
is Tunde getting more out of people than anyone else could? We don't know yet. Hard to benchmark. It looks like looks that way currently, but we need to be a bit more scientific before we draw a conclusion. Because I look at it and I think, okay, of all these top line trainers, well, who do you put him in with? Like, I don't want to heat anyone up by mentioning names, but you know the, the standard names. Where's their case study? Where's, where's the fighter they have where you can go, I can see Anthony Yard ending up like that guy. And, you know, people go, oh, what about Josh Taylor? Josh Taylor was elite as hell. Yeah, eight years of being elite. Eight years of being elite. Eight years of people investing in his career, getting him the right opponents at the right time. Yard never had that. He, he had to learn on the job with bargain basement opponents. People ignore that, but it's true. Okay, so you're going to send him to the, the other guy, maybe, or, you know, the guy who's had the athletic heavyweight champion who went up from cruiserweight, maybe. But what will he do? He, he'd give you more of the same. Like, essentially, there'd be no difference, right? He's not going to move Anthony Yard forward. And then you say the curveball. You go, okay, why doesn't he go up to Manchester and train with Pat Barrett? I'm more inclined to believe something like that because I'm a big fan of Pat Barrett. I think he's as real a boxing guy as you can get. And I'm always surprised that he doesn't get the credit he deserves in the boxing public. Is that because he's not palling up with Coogan or the other clowns with their microphones and their cameras? Is that why it is? Because he doesn't hog the media limelight? He's not on Sky Sports doing analysis? Whereas Pat Barrett's probably the most authentic guy we have in boxing. Like, Dave Caldwell hasn't won a fraction of what Pat Barrett's won. Look how much he gets to talk. Because he's Eddie's mate. Nothing else. Because he's Eddie's mate. Matthew Macklin? Has Matthew Macklin achieved more than Pat Barrett? I don't think he has. But he gets to talk. Do you see what I mean? There's a correlation between your media exposure and how good a coach the public thinks you are. Pat Barrett's a hell of a trainer. Hell of a trainer. Him and the rest of the guys at Collarhurst and Moston, damn good trainers. I have sympathy with Yard going there and I have sympathy with Yard going to Don Charles for a different environment. I, I can see these things happening. I don't think you would change Anthony Yard that much. I think he's the... He's the fighter he's always going to be. And so it's on Tunde to say, look, I think we've done a lot of the right things. We need to do more of them and we need to do them more intelligently. That's the path of least resistance. Starting again and building an emotional connection with someone and it might be hit and miss. No, you already have that. Let's go back um, a year and a bit ago when everyone said, ah, Josh, you should get rid of Rob McCracken. Get rid of Rob McCracken. Look at him. He's terrible. Doesn't know what he's doing. And what did Anthony Joshua do? He stood by Rob McCracken and said, actually, Rob, the problem here is you're, you're training and observing. I think at this point in my career, I need you to be a second pair of eyes. I'm going to get other people in to do the doing and you're going to review and make sure you're happy. I'm not saying that the subsequent performance was amazing but they got the result. Now we need to see how this formula works over the next probably year or so. But that's one way to do it. So does Tunde get someone in 
who's got a different view. Maybe. But I think Tunde's got to show that kind of progressive streak in him, if it is there, and say, actually, I've learned from my mistakes and here's how we're going to proceed going forward. I think that's the best thing for Anthony Yard. I think that's the best thing for Tunde Ajayi because that will give promoters, managers and so forth confidence. This is a guy who's, who's also trying to enhance himself and improve himself. But I don't think he should get rid because I just don't think there are that many trainers who could make a difference. And people overstate the impact of moving trainers. It rarely ends up well. It doesn't end up well because there are so many variables. Do I have that psychological bond? You know, do you understand me? Have you seen my rise? And if you haven't, it's hard. Most people switch trainers and go back to someone they know. Not a coincidence. Tyson ditched Ben Davison to go with Sugar Hill Stewart because he went back to something he was familiar with that he wanted in his career. He didn't gamble. He, he went with what he knew. Not a coincidence. Deontay Wilder stuck with what he knew. Because that familiarity is so important. That trust is so important. When you don't have that, are you even a trainer? I don't think you are. So it's easy to hammer Tunde and say, get rid, get rid, get rid. Imagine people did that in your life. Imagine you missed your wife's birthday, or your husband's birthday, and people saying to her or him, divorce straight away. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. If you, if you showed up late to a conference, you wouldn't get sacked. Yeah, you wouldn't. Because in totality, the bigger picture means it's better to have you in the organization than not. And when that doesn't make sense, you get rid of someone. Right now, I don't know who you'd replace Tunde with. Who could, who could get the best out of Anthony Yard? Who could have Anthony Yard smiling, laughing and joking and put him in that frame of mind where he's able to perform at his best. So I'm inclined to say, care for what you wish for. That's my view. But we shouldn't finish this on that. We should finish by saying, you want to look at a trainer who got it right? Look at Pat Barrett. You want to look at a boxer who did get it right? Look at Lyndon Arthur. Congratulate those guys. Yeah, Throw your energy at them because they're the guys who showed up and they're the guys that produced on the night. As always, guys, look, I'm going to slide out now. I just want to thank you for for listening. I don't know if the audio quality is a bit ropey today because I'm literally recording this at like three in the morning because I couldn't sleep. So I'm just going to get this done. And as always, like, share, comment, you know, make sure you get your friends involved because this might be the most authoritative take on what happened in the world of boxing over Saturday night. No, I don't think it is, to be honest, because I've even talked about Danny Garcia or Spence. And I'll let you know a little secret. I haven't seen it yet. So I need to watch that. And if there's anything that grabs my eye about that fight, then I'll touch on that. But I want you guys to remember this. The problems Anthony Yard has, Danny Garcia might have as well. Doesn't work hard enough. Doesn't seem to be cute enough in that ring. And no one ever says, get rid of your trainer. 
hardware is your dad, but no one says get rid of your trainer. And there's a good reason why. You don't know what change will bring. And that's the risk. Take care, guys. Mm-hmm.